Welcome to the Journey Church Podcast, where as a church, we believe that Jesus should be accessible to anyone. So if you're at home, work, or somewhere in between, you can have access to the weekend worship experience. We'd love for you to stay connected with us by visiting us at journeyorl.com or any social media platform using at journeyorl. Thanks for being with us, and we really hope you enjoy this message. Sermon series. I know I have. Uh, it was scheduled to be a three-week sermon series, so this was scheduled to be our last one. But, uh, but I told Pastor Joe, I said, we're going, I think we're going until 2022, I think, on this. And uh, I told him, we're going to keep the same video, too, for a year and a half. Same video. <laughs> just go ahead and play it. Um, I just think, I said it before, I think people are giving up, but in the best way. I think they're giving up trying to do it on their own strength. I think they're giving up trying to do it on their own power. I think they're giving up trying to do it in their own ability. And there is a, a national collective consensus among people, Christians and, un, and non-Christians, that we need a higher power to intervene in the issues that we're facing today. If you believe that, say amen. And that higher power, that helper is the Holy Spirit. It is God in us. And so if you have a Bible, you can turn to Galatians chapter 5, verse 16. I'm going to do a little bit of reading here. I got a couple of verses Eight verses, but they're long, so bear with us. Galatians 5.16. I'm reading from the New Living Translation. It goes like this. So I say, let the Holy Spirit guide your lives. Then you won't be doing what your sinful nature craves. The sinful nature, other versions of the Bible say the flesh, wants to do evil, which is just the opposite of what the spirit wants. And the spirit gives us desires that are opposite of what the sinful nature desires. These two forces are constantly fighting each other so that you are not free to carry out your good intentions. But when you are directed by the spirit, you are not under obligation to the law of Moses. We'll explain that all later. When you follow the desires of your sinful nature, the results are very clear, very clear. Sexual immorality, impurity, lustful pleasures, idolatry, sorcery, hostility, quarreling, jealousy, outbursts of anger, selfish ambition, dissension, division, envy, drunkenness, wild parties. Don't be throwing no wild parties. And other sins like these. Let me tell you again, as I have before, that anyone living that sort of life will not inherit the kingdom of God. But the Holy Spirit produces. Can we just pause right there? I don't know if you noticed, but in verse 19, it said that the, the works of the sinful nature or the works of the flesh are very obvious. Now it goes into verse 22 and it says the Holy Spirit produces, but it doesn't say it's obvious. Failure is always more obvious than success. You will always know when you failed because you'll have some haters around to point it out. But growth is slow. Growth is subtle. When you grow, when you win, there's not as many people to cheer you on. Just know that. Just because there's nobody clapping their hands doesn't mean you're not winning. Come on, somebody. But the Holy Spirit produces this kind of fruit, even if it's not obvious. He produces it. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. There is no law against these things. For those who belong to Christ Jesus have nailed the passions and desires of their sinful nature to the cross and have crucified them there. The inspiration for the title of today's sermon comes from verse 16. So I want to emphasize it one more time. Galatians 5, 16. So I say, let the Holy Spirit. Somebody say, let. Come on, tell your neighbor, let. Let the Holy Spirit. Here is the title of my message. Permission granted. Permission granted. Come on, if you're in the building today and you are ready to receive a word from God, say permission granted. 
Come on, if you are ready for the Holy Spirit to come and transform your life from the inside out, somebody say permission granted. Come on, if you are watching online and you are ready for your kitchen to turn into a cathedral, put it in the chat. Permission granted. If you're ready for your living room to turn into a room of revival, put it in the chat. Permission granted. Permission granted. You're ready for worse? Say permission granted. Come on, if you're going to be in the building, I'm going to need your help, okay? Permission granted. You know what I love about kids is their honesty. And I love how they explain things to you when they don't know how to explain it the proper way. They just explain it to the best of their ability. Have you ever noticed that in a child? Um, I actually saw this really cool thing on Twitter uh, when kids would explain things in the only way that they knew how. And they just explained it in the way that they either heard it, saw it, smelled it, or touched it. I have a couple of them. Uh, Let's go ahead and put the the first one on the screen. Uh, My two-year-old called the vehicle for sick people a wee-woo truck. And now I don't even remember what the right name is anymore. <laughs> Come on, I, don't, I forgot. I don't know what you call that either. Wee Woo Truck. Ambulance, that's right. Next one. A friend's five-year-old saw a rhino and called it a battle unicorn. Can we let five-year-olds christen new species, please? I mean, when you think about it, battle unicorn is way better than rhino. <laughs> way better than rhino. Next one, we've got a couple of animals here. My friend's five-year-old just saw a crow and called it a Halloween eagle. Yeah, I can see that, totally. Next one. My four-year-old daughter calls penguins cold owls. <laughs> yeah, that's a good one. All right. My two-year-old son calls beard slash facial hair face grass. It's face, it's face grass. Because it started like a year ago and we can't bring ourselves to grab. The next one's a little dark. It's a little, uh, it's a little dark, but it's hilarious. My son just called a coffin a skeleton burrito. And somehow I'm the one on Twitter. Come on, somebody. That's funny. I don't care what you say. Skeleton burrito. Uh, you know, it's, it's, kids just call it like they see it. But the problem with calling it like you see it is that things are not always as they seem. And so, for example, my son says something the other day. Um, you know, when they were younger, they used to, like, push each other. Now they're getting that to the age when our boys fight, they throw down now. <laughs> they, they punch each other. And so Justice punched Zane the other day. Zane came crying out, Justice punched me. And then, you know, as a parent, you got to have these conversations with your kids. And so why did you punch your brother Zane? You know you're not supposed to punch your brother Zane. And I love the way he explained it to me. Because the way he explained it to me, like, it made sense if, if you're just seeing what you're seeing, he goes, Dad, I punched him because he made me. <laughs> he said he, he made me angry and he made me do it. And I had to, to correct him. I had to have a conversation. I said, listen, I know, I know why you said that because it looks like he made you and it feels like he made you. But the reality is he didn't make you because nobody can make you do anything. He didn't make you angry. You let him get you angry. I know it seems like he, I know it seems like you had no option. He's like, I had to punch him. He was, he was, he was annoying. You called me justice. That's what I was doing. I was, I was delivering justice. I wasn't even angry. I was just doing what good people do. 
I know it, I know it seems like, like he made you, but nobody can make you do anything. A lot of times it's easy, especially in the season that we live in, to feel like justice when, when other people are making decisions that you have no power over. When events around you are happening and it seems like you have no power over the events that are happening around you. I came to tell somebody as powerless as you feel, you will always have one power that nobody can take away from you. And it is the power of permission. It's the power of permission. You know your boss can't stress you out, right? Somebody said devil is a liar. That's not true. You don't know my boss. Hey, your boss can't stress you out. That requires your permission. You know, church can't hurt you, right? That requires your permission. You know that divorce doesn't have to destroy you, right? That requires your permission. You know the daily visit to the doctor's office when you get that bad news? You know that news doesn't have to steal your hope, right? That requires your permission. You know that that parent can't make you feel worthless, right? That requires your permission. You know your spouse can't make you fight, right? You better say amen. <laughs> but you don't know my spouse. You don't know what she did. I don't care what she did. I don't care what he did. He can't, she can't make you fight. That requires your permission, which is great news in 2020. Because in 2020, every time you turn your social media feed on, there's pain. In 2020, every time you watch something on the news, uh, it, it's, it's hate. Every time you read something, it's anger. But somebody needs to tell 2020 right now, just because I'm powerless to change it, doesn't mean I don't have the power to let it change me. It don't got to change me. I might not be able to change it, but it don't have to change me. Somebody tell, better tell 2020 right now, you, you can't make me bitter, 2020. You can't make me hide, 2020. You can't make me angry, 2020. You can't make me isolate, 2020. You can't make me be divisive, 2020. Permission denied. <laughs> Permission denied. I can be around it, but it can't get in me unless I give it. Nobody and nothing can get inside you without your permission. Are you ready for the pivot now? Are you ready for the twist? It's going to blow your mind. If you're ready, say, I'm ready. No one and nothing, nothing and no one can get inside you without your permission including God. Oh, you think I'm preaching heresy? <laughs> well, let me get to the Bible then. Revelations chapter 3, verse 20. Here I am. I stand at the door and bust it down. That's not what your verse said. I stand at the door and I pick the lock. I stand at the door. I noticed it was locked, so I went through the window. I stand at the door and I set up some C4. And blew that sucker up. Nuh-uh. It said I stand at the door and what? I stand at the door and knock. In other words, you're going to have to let me in. If anyone hears my voice and opens the door, then I will come in and eat with that person and they with me. You know, when Liz and I almost didn't even happen. Like this marriage right here almost even wasn't a thing and it would have been her fault. 
100% her fault. It took me forever to get a date with her first off because she's flipping gorgeous and smart and loves Jesus and all these other stuff. There's a bunch of guys around her. Finally, I got a date. Guys, I didn't make a lot of money back then. Don't make a lot of money now. You, you don't thought I should mention that in case you wonder where your tie's going. Not to Justice and Zane. I promise you that. You don't get into ministry for the money. Um, but all the money that I saved, I, I would say about half of it I dropped on our very first date. We went to this place called Channelside uh, next to Ybor City. And I bought, if you know what I'm, yeah, I'm talking about, it's a nice place. And I bought aquarium tickets. I bought Bush Garden tickets. I paid for dinner at one of the fanciest restaurants uh, in Ybor City. Uh, the gas to get out there. I, I bought her a stuffed animal at the aquarium. Okay, it was a little stingray, which we still have to this day. Aww. She in the attic, but we still got it. And at the end of, this is where it almost went downhill. This is where the relationship almost fell apart. At the end of the date, I get out the car. She gets out the car. <laughs> I say, good night. She says, good night. She gets in her car and drives away. Now you might say, well, Pastor, what were you expecting? Not much. But, but I'll tell you what I was expecting, a freaking thank you. <laughs> After dropping hundreds of dollars on an eye, y'all, I did not even get a thank you. So I'm driving on the way home. I, I'm like, and I'm like, what? I, I don't even understand what happened right now. And then my phone rings. And it's Liz. I'm like, I'm about to tell her this is over. <laughs> and she picks up and she goes, hey, um, I just wanted to say thank you for the date. It was really fun. And I said, uh, I didn't say it then. Like, like a year later, we had a conversation about this. And I was like, you know you almost lost all this, right? <laughs> you were this close. You almost missed out on all of it. You know that, right? I said, why didn't you say thank you that night? She said, I was afraid you were going to try to kiss me. So I got nervous and I got in the car and drove away. I would never, I would have never made that move on the first date because I'm a gentleman. I'm not going to force myself on someone if I'm not sure they want me. Can I tell you that God is a gentleman? And as bad as he wants intimacy with you, he will never force himself into the life of somebody that does not first invite him in. Intimacy with Christ requires your permission. There is a picture, uh, a, a, a picture that was, that was drawn by uh, William Holt in the 1860s. And I don't know if you can see this picture here. It is better on the screen. It looks bad if you're watching online. But this is called the light of the world. And it's Jesus living out Revelations 3.20. He's knocking at the door to let him in. And when the artist drew this picture, there were critics. How many people know that even in the 1860s you had trolls? Yes, you did. 
And the first critic came up to William Holt and he said, I don't like this picture, it's inaccurate. And then he said, what's inaccurate? Is, is the theology wrong? He said, no. I said, is, is, Jesus, is Jesus wrong? He said, no. He said, just like trolls to point out the one thing that don't matter. He said, your door don't have a handle. Then the artist said, oh, yes, it does. It's on the inside. Because the door can only be opened from the inside. You got to open the door if you want Jesus into your heart. You've got to open the door to relationship. You've got to open the door to intimacy. Hey, you're stuck in a situation, but the handle's on your side. The handle's on your side. Here's why I make a, a big issue about this, because the same principle of permission that applies to salvation is the same principle of permission that applies to sanctification. Now, sanctification is a big word. People are like, I don't like that word. This is why I go to Journey Church. <laughs> to avoid words like sanctification. <laughs> That's why I left my last church. I couldn't spell it. <laughs> so I was like, I'm going to go to Journey. They, they got easy words there. But you need this word. I wouldn't teach you this word. I, here, here's the thing. I always believe our sermons don't. I love it if a sermon can make you smarter, but I never preach to make you smarter. I preach to make you better. So I would only teach you something like this if, if I thought it could make you better. You need to understand this concept and this phrase, this principle of sanctification, because once you understand sanctification, if you're trying to live for God, it will relieve you of all of your frustration. Because one of the most frustrating things about being a believer is when you try to do good, but you do wrong. Don't leave me alone here. Raise your hand if you know what I'm talking about. There's a lot of people here who just do right all the time. I hate you. Okay. You know what I'm talking about. I've never met a husband who didn't want to be a good dad. I never met a, a, a woman who, who didn't want to be a great wife or a great mom. We all want to do better. But one of the most frustrating things about being a Christian is you got this desire to do better. But whenever you set out with this desire to do better, you end up doing the wrong thing over and over and over. And the way you, you process this is through this concept of sanctification. In order to understand it, you got to understand what Galatians 5.16 talked about. That there are two natures inside of every believer. If you're a Christian today, you have these two things living inside of you. If you're not a Christian today, you've got one thing living inside of you. The first thing that lives inside of you is called the sinful nature or the flesh. Somebody say the flesh. Now, the flesh is the carnality of you. Think of appetite. Think of hunger. It wants. It eats. It's never satisfied. This comes on you when you're born. That's why you don't have to teach a baby to lie, cheat, steal, or punch their brother. They, 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 by the time they're three years old, they already got their master's degree in evil. Already. They don't got to school. It's, it's natural to them. That's why it's called the sinful nature. That's why it's called the flesh. It was on you in skin. It came on you when you were born. The second nature is called the Holy Spirit or your spirit. And he comes on you not when you're born, but when you're born again. When you're born again, you got this spirit. And the spirit desires everything that is contrary to the flesh. So let me just warn you, if you're not a Christian here today, you might want to double think getting saved. Because the first thing the Holy Spirit will do in your life is ruin sin. Because he goes contrary to the sinful nature. If you're not saved, if you don't have a relationship with Jesus, you get to sin and not feel bad about it. Because that's just life. 
But the moment you decide to live for God and the spirit comes on you, he ruins you. That's why he calls, the, it's called the fruit of the spirit. I never forget the first time I had coffee. I never tasted it before. And, and my dad always said that it was sweet. He always had this corny joke. I like my coffee like I like my women, light and sweet. Okay, dad, we get it. You're corny. Anyway, so he would always say that. And I'll never forget, my grandma gave me some fruit. And I ate this fruit. And after I ate this fruit, I tasted his coffee. And, he, and, and I said, oh, I don't like coffee. This coffee's bitter. He said, what did you just eat before you had the coffee? I said, fruit. He said, the coffee not bitter. You just tasted something that's sweeter than the coffee. And when you taste something that's sweeter than the coffee, the thing that you taste that's less sweeter actually tastes bitter. When you actually taste from the fruit of the spirit, sin, the sin that used to be sweet, the sin that used to salivate over, the sin actually becomes bitter because you just tasted something that you ain't never tasted before. You tasted love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. You thought, wow, now I don't ever want to go back. It will mess you up. And you've got to really understand this tension is very important. And if you understand this tension, then you'll, you'll, you'll avoid three misconceptions. Because I, I really received three misconceptions when, when I, I, was, I was ever taught this before. The first misconception that I received was that if you sin, you're not saved. My, my, my youth pastor used to tell me that because I used to have this problem with pornography. And he used to tell me, well, well if you're watching pornography, that means that you don't really love Jesus. You don't really have a relationship with Jesus. You're not really saved because you got this issue, this temptation. But that's not true. I had a relationship with Jesus. The thing is, when you give your life to Christ, the sinful nature doesn't go away. You live in between both. And that's a word for somebody right now who's under a, a, a wave of condemnation. Let me just tell you, if you are under condemnation right now, that's not the gospel. The gospel's conviction, but not condemnation. And there's a big difference between the two. Condemnation is, I can't believe you did that. Conviction is, you're going to get better. You're going to be better. You're going to beat this thing. When the Holy Spirit speaks to you, he talks to you about a future where you overcome it. When the devil speaks to you, he tries to keep you in the past. The second thing I wish somebody would have told me or that I, I, I thought wrong because then I was like, oh, okay, grace, awesome, I live with the Spirit, is that God loves you right where you are. That's a misconception. But it's not a misconception because it's not true. It's absolutely true. God loves you where you are. It's only untrue because it's half of a truth. Yes, God loves you where you are, but he loves you too much to leave you there. That's the other half of it that you got. And that is sanctification, salvation. When you receive Jesus into your life, it brings you to life. But sanctification is the pulling away of the sinful nature, becoming more like Jesus and not just coming to life, but having a full life. I wish you would know that, 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 that God wants you to have a full life. He wants you to have joy. He wants you to have love. And that's what the process of sanctification is. It's God coming into your life, cleaning out the Holy Spirit, working on you from the inside out. But you have to let him do that. Just like you have to let Jesus in, you got to let the Holy Spirit transform you. It requires permission. Which, is, which leads me to the third misconception. You are not in the middle of a tug of war. When I first understood the spirit in the flesh, I, I felt like I'm in, a, I'm in a tug of war. I got the spirit over here who's like, do good, do good. And I got the flesh over here that's like, do bad, do bad. And this is what a lot of people think it looks like. But it's not a tug of war. You know why? I want to give you a brand new way of thinking about this battle that's going on inside of you. It's not a tug of war because if it's a tug of war, that just means that whoever is stronger on any given day is going to win. If the flesh is stronger that day, he wins. 
if this is the analogy, if this is the metaphor, if the spirit is stronger that day, he wins. And that's so cool, but that robs you of power and it makes you feel powerless. But you are not powerless because what did I tell you? When you feel like you're powerless, you always retain one power. And what is that power called? The power of permission. It's not who's stronger that day. If you want to beat the sinful nature, if you want to be transformed into everything that God has for your life, it's not about who's stronger and who's weaker. Here's what it's about. It's about who you give the most permission to. And if you find yourself, I'm talking to just kind of believers right here, Christians right here. If you haven't made a decision for Christ yet, you can probably still relate. But if you find yourself giving in to your lesser nature over and over and over again, I have found that it is probably one of two problems. Number one, write this down if you're taking notes. You're giving your flesh too much permission. You are giving your flesh too much permission. And your flesh does not deserve that permission. Mm-mm. I don't know uh, if, if your par- parents in the house, we, we do this scream time limit with our, uh, our kids. They can play video games uh, for an hour a day, and then they can go on their iPads for 30 minutes a day. So all together, like an hour and three minutes uh, playing video games. And for most of the time, they handle it pretty well. They like, they don't mind it. They're like, but then every once in a while, you know, a bad day, you know, when the flesh is in charge. <laughs> every once in a while, the kids, and they always have the same argument when they fight us. And Liz, Liz and I on it. They always say the same thing. They go, but other kids don't have limits. I'm not going to call out y'all parents that don't put limits on your kids. I'm just saying, my kids go to Journey Kids with your kids and you ruin it for me. That's all I'm saying, okay? <laughs> you're ruining it for me. He always tells me, but other kids don't have limits. And I always tell them the same answer. I am not responsible for other kids. I am responsible for my kids. And I'm going to set the limit for my kids. Here's what I want to tell you today. You are not responsible for setting the limits on someone else's life. Church can do that if we're not careful. You shouldn't watch rated R movies. You shouldn't listen to this kind of music. Paul said all things are are permissible, but not all things are beneficial. You cannot mandate limits on other people's life. They got to set the limits on their own life. But you better set some limits for your life. You better set some limits for you. You're giving your flesh way too much permission. You better set the limits on your life. Listen, if you wrestle with alcoholism, like if alcoholism is a thing for you, then a glass of wine after dinner is not a big deal for someone else. But for you, you better set that limit. Listen, if, if you struggle with pornography, guys and girls, then, it's, then Game of Thrones... Hey, that's okay for for anyone else to watch. But if you wrestle with pornography, you need to set the limit. That might not be your show. I wasn't expecting a lot of amens. That's cool because I'm coming home for you right now. I'm coming for your jugular tonight, okay? You better set the limit. Listen, if you struggle with comparison and insecurity, you better set a limit on your Instagram time. Set a limit. Why are you, you're giving the flesh way too much, way too much. And then you wonder why you fall. You wonder why you make mistakes. You're giving them way too much permission. I'll never forget watching this episode of uh, 
Well, I guess I forgot. <laughs> What's the one with the dog whisperer? Yeah. Caesar Milan. Is it called dog whisperer? It was one of those days where you just bored. You, know, you just flipped it. He was on there. And he's got this dog, right? And he's like, I'm going to teach the dog how to walk on a leash. And, and he's got the dog and he's got the leash like right wrapped up to here. Like there is no leash. He's got the leash wrapped around his arm six times and he's walking with the dog like this. And he's taking him up and he's taking him down. And the, 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 the dog mommy, she's looking and she's like, um, it doesn't really look like you're, like you're walking, like he's going for a walk right now. It looks like you're like, like choking him right now. And like, why do you have him so close to your, to your body that way? He had literally right here. Why do you have him so close to your body? He said, he said, you know what Cesar Milan said? He said, because the dog still thinks that he's in charge. So I have to show him who the leader is. You know, when you get saved, oh, good God, your flesh will still think that it's in charge. But you got to suck up that leash right quick. And you say, I'm sorry. And hey, we have a word. It was called heal. That's what it's called. Yeah. It's called heal. My, my dog trainer taught me that. Shout out to Patrick. He said heal. And when you say heal, heal is like get behind me. I remember something in Genesis chapter 3. Might have been verse 16. I think it said something that the, that the son of man will, will fight the, the snake, the serpent, and the, and the son of man will crush the serpent's head with his Get behind me, Satan. I'm sorry, flesh. I'm sorry, sinful nature. You're not in charge any longer. There's a new person on the throne of my life. His name is Holy Spirit. So you're going to have to get by. I might not be able to get rid of you. I might not be able to get rid of you, but you won't be in charge any longer. You got to get behind me. <laughs> the second reason why we give into our lesser nature. It's not that we, we give the, the, the flesh too much permission. It's this, if you're taking notes, we don't give the Holy Spirit enough permission. We don't give the Holy Spirit enough permission. You know, when the Holy Spirit changes you, he changes you like the devil changes you. Or I should say, since the Holy Spirit came first, that the, the, that the devil changes you like the Holy Spirit changes you. You know, when the devil went after Eve, he wanted Eve to eat from the fruit of the knowledge of tree and evil. But he couldn't just get her to do that. He couldn't shift her behavior. That wasn't the first thing that he had to target. So the first thing that he told Eve was this sentence. He said, did God really say? And in that one phrase, he challenged not her behavior, but he challenged her beliefs. And by challenging her beliefs, the belief that God is good, that God was keeping and holding something back from her, by challenging her beliefs, by changing her beliefs, he changed her behavior. You know, the devil will never tell you to commit suicide because he doesn't focus on behavior. He'll tell you that if you end it, the pain will stop. He'll tell you that if you end it, no one will miss you. Are you following me? He's not after your behavior. He's after your beliefs. If he can affect your beliefs, he knows that the behavior will follow the beliefs. The Holy Spirit changes you the same way. The Holy Spirit. Everybody thinks I come to church to do better. You don't come to church to do better because the Holy Spirit's not after your behavior. You come to church to be better because the Holy Spirit's after your beliefs. He's not after your hands. He's after your heart. It's what it says in Jeremiah. Jeremiah chapter 31 verse 33 but this is the new covenant i will make with the people of israel after those days says the lord i will put my instructions deep within them i will write them on their what on their what 
on their what? On their hearts. I will be their God and they will be my people. The Holy Spirit is after every single nook and cranny of your heart. He is after your beliefs. So here's my question to you. What beliefs are off limits to God? What beliefs are off limits to God? Beliefs about your finances? Beliefs about your sexuality? Beliefs about what success means to you? What beliefs in your heart have you said, God, you can have this area, but don't deconstruct this. This is not for you. You can take care of that. You can take care of this, but you can't take care of that. I remember going over a friend's house for dinner. It was recently, Michael and Lisa's house for dinner. I had my boys with me. And have you ever been to Michael and Lisa's house? They got like 18 rooms, okay? It's like, it's a huge house and God's blessed them. It's so great to, to see them. Can't wait for them to come back. Got a baby that's born. We love them. And the boys, the boys just started, they started walking into random rooms, you know? And I'm like, heal. I'm like, where's the leash? Where's the leash? Behind me. Satan? No, I'm just kidding. And I told them, I said, I said, don't you be going in the random rooms in other people's houses? And so I started pointing out rooms in the house. I said, this is off limits. This room's off limits. This room's off limits. This room's off limits. He's like, Dad, the only room that's not off limits is the living room. I'm like, exactly. You know why those rooms are off limits? Because that's not our house. Oh, but the Bible says that your body Mm, is the temple mm, of the Holy Spirit, which means that it's his house, which means that every room is his room. You don't have the right to tell him, hey, this one, yes, this one, no. I know it's about permission, but he bought you with the blood of Jesus. He needs to get in there. He needs to get in there. Open up those rooms for him to get in. This is why it's called the fruit of the Spirit and not the fruits of the Spirit. Did you notice that? It's not plural, it's singular. In other words, if you give me your heart, I get all areas. It's not the fruits. It's the fruit. This is one thing. Let me get into that and I can change you. So will you let him? Because here is the secret about obedience. Write this down if you're taking notes. Obedience is not inability. It's availability. People say, I just can't break that habit. Just can't stop smoking. Just can't stop drinking. Just can't stop sleeping around. Just can't stop watching it. I get it. You can't do it. Nobody's expecting you to try to do it. It's the works of the flesh, but the fruit of the spirit. The devil will always try and get you to do things to do better and trying to do because he just wants to get you to eliminate it from God but God's like you can't do this on your own you need me and if you would just ask if you would just invite me if you would just let me in I'm not asking you to change I'm asking will you let him change you permission granted Holy Spirit permission granted here's how it works and then we'll close here's how it works it was the last verse Galatians 5 24 those who belong to Christ Jesus have nailed the passions and desires of their simple nature to the cross and crucified them there I love the intentionality of the author it said that he crucified himself he crucified the flesh you know what's funny about that I mean that's not funny because dying is not a funny thing but 
Like what's interesting about that, you can kill yourself a lot of ways. You can hang yourself. You can drown yourself. That's a bad time to say amen. You can, you can shoot yourself. But you know what you can never do? Ever. You could never crucify yourself. I mean, I tried. I mean, not really. But like, I thought about it. And I was like, okay, shoot yourself, hang yourself, drown yourself, okay. But crucify yourself? You can never crucify yourself. You know why? Because you're not supposed to do it by yourself. You need help. I want to beat this habit, so help me, God. I want to overcome this addiction, so help me, God. I want my marriage to be restored, so help me, God. And can I tell you something? When he helps you, don't expect it to feel like a massage. When it helps you, it feels like hurting you. So when it hurts, because transformation will always hurt. When it hurts, will you have the faith to say, permission granted. God, I know that area of my life, I kept it from you for so long, but it's been ruining my relationship. So go ahead, take the nail, take the hammer, permission granted. God, I know those thoughts have been ruining my life forever, and I'm trying to keep that area to myself, but, but Holy Spirit, permission granted. God, I know you've been asking me to step out in my finances, and even though things are tough right now, and it's going to hurt, permission granted. Do what you got to do. Kill what you got to kill. Nail what you got to nail. I want to be everything that you call me to be. I want to give you my dreams. Nail them. I want to give you my desires. Nail them. I want to give you my struggles. Nail them. I want to give you the emptiness. Nail it. Go ahead. Do what you got to do. Permission granted. Holy Spirit, transform me from the inside out. Go ahead. I know it hurts. Keep going. Keep going. Keep going. Keep going. Strong. 
hope you've enjoyed this message, and we would love to hear your story and how this ministry is changing your life. Please email us at amen at journeyorl.com. And if you would like to support financially, you can give online at journeyorl.com give. If you're in the area, join us on Sunday for the full experience. Have a blessed week.